Underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Steinberg along with you. Logan Gordon here with me as well. We're coming at you from Veranda in the Curry Barracks, and it's been nonstop Flames news since the season came to an end. It was only a couple of weeks ago that uh, we got the news that Ryan Huska was going to become the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. And on this Friday, we now know exactly what Mr. Huska's coaching staff is going to look like because that coaching staff was finalized on friday uh we know the returnees kale mclean returns as an assistant coach and jason labarber returns as goaltending coach jamie pringle returns as video coach and then two new additions dan lambert and mark savard join the flame staff as assistants as well we're kicking off this hour of flames talk by saying hello to flames head coach ryan huska right now huska appreciate the time on this friday thanks for doing this how are you I'm well, Pat. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's good to talk to you. I would imagine uh, an exciting day. Your your coaching staff is finalized. I guess take us through what today's like from the head coach's perspective. Yeah, I feel like it's an exciting day for sure. So I'm I'm kind of the same as you right now. We have uh, we honestly, you feel like you go through a long process again um, to try to find the best people that fit with your organization. And part of that was people um, that I felt felt um, comfortable with as well, me personally. And then you wanted to try to add some guys that you thought would maybe have a, a certain amount of impact with the current players that we have on our roster. So when we were putting our list together, um, we were looking for certain things. So um, we wanted to try to find some some coaches that have had some experience. We wanted to try to find someone that had, you know, a lot of NHL experience, I could put it that way, um, either as a player like Mark has had or um, coaching ability and and we found Dan kind of fit the category with the NHL coaching experience and Mark really has done it with the playing experience but has turned himself into a really up-and-coming good coach that um, really fits a role for our team that we thought was re- really important for us to fill. I remember talking to you the day that you were introduced on that Monday and, and you sat down with us and, and we asked you about the rest of your coaching staff. And one of the things I found really interesting when you were taking us through the process and how it was going to go or how you envisioned it was you didn't necessarily have names in mind, but as you said right there, you kind of had roles and attributes that you were looking for and then would start to find the people to fit those attributes. How helpful was that approach during this process? Well, I think having an idea as to what you want to do is always helpful. Uh, otherwise, you can get scrambly and a little bit all over the place. And what I did find during this process is um, there are a lot of good coaches out there, and it's almost humbling at times um, to get the text messages and calls from interest in, in working for you because you realize there's a lot of good people that are out of work or, or looking for jobs right now. So, one, it, it makes you feel fortunate that um, we have that opportunity to work especially in the NHL, um, you know, and then, and then when you have an idea as to the direction that you want to go, it, it makes it easier for you to pare down your list. 
Um, and you have a lot of phone calls, a lot of conversations when guys fit into the, if you want to call them the holes or categories, whatever you want to use for your terminology. Um, then you can, you can move people around, take them off the list if they don't quite fit what you're looking for. Uh, and then once you get down to a manageable number, you can spend a little time with these guys on the phone, on Zoom, um, talking to people that know them, talking to people that have played for them, all sorts of different things when you, when you start getting down to the guys that you're really interested in having around. So, and, and I've never gone through this process on either side of it, so I'm, I'm curious from your, from, from your standpoint, going through it from a head coach's perspective and having gone through it on the other side, how, how was it different as the head coach putting your staff together? Well, the one thing I guess for sure, the obvious answer, Pat, to that one is I was asking the questions uh, for the majority part of it instead of having to have the answer. Um, but for me, I, I felt it was a really good process. Did you, you get a chance to talk to people that you know of. I didn't necessarily know at all, and Mark's a good example of that. For me, I didn't have any sort of prior uh, relationship with him whatsoever, um, but I knew he would be a guy that would be really strong in a certain role for our team. Um, you know, so it's again. I just it's a real it's a good feeling when you settle on the guys, and and I have a a lot of faith and trust in the guys that were back here from our group from years prior. Um, starting with Kale McLean, I think he's a rock star. I really do, and how he and how he is detailed, how he's organized, how he's prepared, and how he sees the game. Um, so I really think he's a special coach, and he's an up and coming coach. And then we look at at Jason. You know, it's funny you always see a lot of the, the criticism about the goaltending this past year, but the year prior, we didn't hear that noise when um, Jacob was a Vezna finalist. So sometimes that's the way the game goes, but Jason has a real great demeanor with our goaltenders. Um, he's really starting to understand how to push them more in certain situations and get more out of them. And I really think this is going to be a great year for all of our, our goaltenders that he's with. And Jamie's been around for a long time. Like he's been, uh, um, he's seen a lot of different head coaches over the years. I'm hopeful that this head coach that's currently in place is going to stay for a long period of time so he doesn't have to work with another one. That would be perfect for me. Um, but he's got a lot of experience in what he does as well, and he's seen a lot of different ways of doing things in regards to um, coaching styles and video presentations and putting packages together. So I, I'm thrilled with the group we have together here, Pat. Ryan, do you uh, have you figured out or have you kind of come to your conclusion in terms of the roles you want each guy to fill, who's going to be on the bench, eye in the sky, who's going to be taking care of what? Has, has that all been figured out at this point? Yeah, it has. I mean, we're, we're still going to do a lot of working together on this. I mean, that's something that's going to be important for us over the summer months to really come together and, and, and give each other ideas as to what they think might help or what might work for our you know, the certain special teams that we're going to have. But um, as of now, we're, we're looking at Mark to be our power play guy. I think it just kind of fits with his ability and, and the way he sees the game. He's also going to spend a lot of time with our, with our forwards, the, a lot of them. Um, so I think he's going to have a significant impact on, on players like Huberto. I think he's going to have an impact on Kadri. I think he's going to have impact on a uh, young guy like Pelche and, and Coronado. So he's going to be able to touch all sorts of different facets, I guess, that you can say of the group up front. And Dan on the back end, he's going to run the back end. He's going to run the defense. Um, and he's also going to be uh, in charge of the penalty kill. But the one thing, you know, with Dan and the penalty kill, it's kind of always been my baby. I love it. And I just feel like this is something with our prior relationship that we'll be able to work on a little bit together. Um, and we're also going to use Kale along the way as well. But I think the one 
part that really intrigued me about putting this staff together. Um, both the two new guys that we're bringing in have a bit of an offensive flair to them. So we know about Mark. Dan was a very offensive defenseman. So now you have um, two guys that see the game differently from what myself and Kale see it a lot of times. Um, Mark has that offensive touch with a forwards perspective. Dan has it from the back end in regards to a defenseman's perspective. So I think the two of them together, um, I think they're going to help our offensive game. I think they're going to bring in some new things. I think they're going to kind of create a a little bit more creativity maybe in the offensive zone. And and I really do believe we're going to balance each other out, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm super pumped with this group. Well, fun. I was I was going to ask you about giving up the PK and and working with the Blue Liners and and but as as you talked about your familiarity with Dan that that probably helps in in letting go of your baby, right? Oh, it does. And and what I know of Dan, he's a very organized, very detailed guy, um, and he's already been bugging me about penalty kill clips and and watching things. And this is like day one, basically. <laughs> so he he's keen on it, and I think for him too. Um, you know, I think, and I'll go back to my experience when Bill Peters was, was here and I came up the first time. Well, Bill was always a penalty kill coach before he started his, his path down the head coaching um, um, route. Um, so I found it uh, a little bit of a challenge because I didn't really know Bill all that well to start with. And he's had all the experience with penalty kills on good teams in Detroit. Um, he's, he was he was kind of the guy there that, that built that kill and he kind of created the way Carolina killed. So I, I learned a lot from him and I'm hopeful that the relationship that Dan and I have together, it's going to be the same. I'm going to give him my thoughts and ideas and then he's going to run with it. We're chatting with Calgary Flames head coach Ryan Huska this hour on Flames Talk as the Flames have finalized their coaching staff for the coming season. It's Pat Steinberg and Logan Gordon with us as well, Logan. Uh, Husk, congrats on uh, getting your staff together, pal. I'm, I'm curious about that relationship that you've got with Dan and going back to your time in Kelowna. Has this been something that you guys have talked about as you've both sort of been in the NHL ranks for as coaches over the last few years? No, it's not something that we really ever did talk about. And, you know, going back to our time in Kelowna together, I didn't know Dan at all. Um, he was, he was, I guess, a friend or, or he knew Lauren Fry, the assistant general manager, very well. And Dan was coming to the end of his playing career uh, at that point in Europe. Um, and Lauren knew he, he might have wanted to get into coaching or have something to do with hockey. So he came out to Kelowna and we had a sit down. Um, and it was really, we spent a good portion of the day together and you knew kind of right away that he was going to be a good fit and we ended up together for five years and that's a lot of a lot of time in junior hockey um we did build a pretty good relationship and it was important for me that i had someone on the bench with me that i knew and i understood Uh, i knew what he was all about how we operated a bench um that stuff to me mattered uh, because i just feel like it, it it gives you that comfort right away so there is no kind of break in period with he and i um and then with Mark coming in, I think he's just gonna he's gonna fit in really well from the conversations I've had with him. Yeah, Mark Savard's an interesting one, uh, Ryan, because a lot of Flames fans obviously have a, a very nostalgic feel for Mark for his time back in Calgary when he was a player, and now he's you know coming back. And I like that you've you know sort of uh, you see him as a player and those coaching aspects coming together. And I, I imagine that for players, that's got to be something that you know, only helps when that, that coaching message is trying to get through when a guy has done it and been there before like Mark has. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing um, that you're talking about there, Logan. Like, when you're 
you know, I'll use myself as an example. Like, if, if you're a young guy coming in with zero NHL experience and you're going to tell an elite player that you should maybe look at doing this on the power play, they're going to question it a little bit until they figure you out and they know that you know what you're talking about and you have their best interest in mind. But you have an advantage when you're a player of his caliber. Someone that's been there, um, has been in all the situations that our power player or offensive players have been in, someone that's been relied on to generate offense all the time, and a guy that understands the pressures that come with that type of role. So I think when a player like that, or a coach like that, I should say, now walks into the dressing room, um, he gets the attention of the Huberto and Kadri, guys that I mentioned already, because look at this guy. I mean, he's, he, he had his career cut short because of concussions. He was well over 800 games. And if he would have stayed healthy, he would have been like a 12, 1300 game guy in the NHL. And he had the yeah. capability of putting up almost a point a game when he played. So you automatically have that draw or allure from some of the top players. And I found that to be something that was really critical when we were looking at filling that spot. Mark, uh, having that experience with the Blues as an assistant coach and then going back to the OHL, Ryan, I'm curious, was there uh, was there a pull that needed to come from you guys to convince him to come back as an assistant coach in the NHL, or was this something that Mark really valued and, and was looking forward to getting back into the NHL ranks, even if it was here in Calgary? Yeah, I, I think it was something that he did value and a really good question. And I, I think his time in St. Louis when he was there, um, rekindled that fire um, where he decided after that time there that he wanted to become a coach and he eventually wants to become a head coach in the league and he knew um, much like all of us with paths that coaches take they have to go through um, you know different roles along the way in order to get that experience and get themselves there um, and that's kind of the way he looked at it so he went back from St. Louis um, to coach junior hockey again because he wanted to be a head coach and it was important to him. And he had two really successful years in Windsor. Um, teams were very good in the regular season. Uh, very good his first year there into the playoffs. This year there was a bit of a hiccup in the first round for them. But his power plays were basically top of the league both years. Um, so that, that's something that, again, really excited me. And when I had a conversation with some guys that he had a chance to work with um, in St. Louis, there was a lot of positive comments that I got, which, which is something, again, an, another characteristic or another um, check uh, of the boxes that we were looking for. Ryan Husk is with us, head coach of the Calgary Flames. I wanted to go back to something you said about one of the returning members of your coaching staff, and that's and that's Kale Kale McLean. You called him a rock star. Can you uh, yeah. can you expand on that a little bit? You know, I think when you, I mean, and Pat, you'd be the same way. When people probably look at you and see the hours that you put into your job and how often you are sitting behind the microphone there. Um, people would say there aren't many guys that work harder than Pat and uh, do a better job than what he does. And um, me, from someone that gets a chance to listen to you and, and talk with you from time to time, that's what I believe. Now, for me, when it comes to Kale, um, that's exactly what you see. He's typically the first guy in, and he's most definitely the last guy to leave. He watches a lot of hockey. He really digs into not just the, hey, this is a forecheck, this is what we're doing, but he tries to figure out trends. Uh, to where the game is going, um, different things that the better offensive players are doing and how can we incorporate those into what we're doing. So he sees it differently than I do. Um, and because he's so organized and detailed, there's a huge amount of trust that I have in him. So whenever there needs to be something done, I'll never hesitate to ask him to do it because I know it will be done 
in the same manner that I would like it to be done, which is so important when you have an opportunity to work with someone like that. And then, and, and you also mentioned something really interesting about Jason LaBarbera, who returns as goaltending coach. And, and look, I, it, it was, you know, as, as you mentioned, sometimes when goaltending is not where a team wants it to be, first per, first place a lot of people go is, is the goaltending coach. But w- when you talk about the way that he works with the goaltenders and the way that he interacts with, whether it's Jacob or Dan or, or whoever the goaltenders have been since he's been here, I'm wondering if you can uh, expand on that a little bit as well and, and what you like so much about how he interacts with them. Yeah, and, and I guess when you uh, – kind of when I look at it sometimes, um, I think my first year when I came into the league, the penalty kill was ranked 19th. Um, so not very good at all. or not good enough to be a, a consistent playoff team that we expect and we want to be. Um, but as the years went on, uh, you get better and better as to what you're teaching and how you're handling it and the Penalty kill, I think, has been over the last five years now combined has been a top six in the NHL. So it, it's got itself to a different level. It's the same for goaltending now. Jason, with these guys, has built a relationship with them now that he understands um, what works with them, what doesn't work with them, how to motivate them, and how to get the best of them. So he's going to take those experiences that he's gained over the last couple of years, and he's going to use that to his advantage to push these guys harder. So it it's the one thing that is important for me is is that I have to have a good relationship uh, with the goalie coach. Um, I think as a head coach, you have to have a lot more conversations with your goalies, not structurally. Jason would kill me if I said I'm going to talk to him about structure or, or the reverse v- VH, but they have to understand where I'm coming from and what I'm looking for out of them. So I think because we're going to have a little bit different connection um, between head coach and goalie and goalie coach and head coach, uh, I think it's it's going to be something that I think is going to get the best out of all involved, including Jason. But his demeanor with them, he's always prepared, much like I talked about Kale. He's very um, composed and patient and methodical with how he wants to approach them. So um, he just he just has that calming presence about him, and I, I really like how he handles himself around them. And Jamie Pringle returns as the team's video coach. For those who don't know and for those that maybe aren't aware of what goes into the work that jamie does with your group can you uh can you tell us why jamie pringle is as vital to your staff as he is well one thing i mean when he's had the experience like he has he's got he's got some different ideas or he can tap into different things i mean he was the video coach when terry crisp was here (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding on that one. Not quite, not quite, um, not quite but <laughs> for a while. He's, he's been around a long time. Um, you know, and, and, and when you look around the league, the most important job for me of the video coach is to be spot on on your calls when you have a challenge. Like, that's their time to shine, right? Um, so that's number one. And, and Jamie has a great track record on, on yeah. that side of things. Um, and that, of course, I mean, that's the difference some nights between winning and losing. So you need to have the guy in place that you trust is going to say, you got to challenge that, or nope, don't touch that one. And we most definitely have that with Jamie. And then I think he's, because he's been around for um, the length of time he has, and, and he's had relationships with a lot of different head coaches and a lot of different coaches in general, he's got a lot of knowledge in him. Like, he's got some great ideas. And it's, it's our job as a staff to really tap into that, um, make sure we're putting our team in the best situation they can. And if he has some ideas that he can bring forward that he saw work with someone else or when he was with a different organization way back when, then all those things are valuable. So his experience, 
um, is really important to our group. And as I said, you know, there isn't anybody better in the league in regards to making the, the calls or the challenges. Final thought for you, Ryan, and, and that's just as as you move forward. Here we are almost at the end of June. you got a draft coming up in, in Nashville next week and then free agency a week, uh, just over a week from when we're talking right now. I'm just, what what is the, the next number of weeks and, and months look like from you and your coaching staff? Um, good question. We're, we're going to try to get ourselves to the draft. We can't all be there because there's some prior commitments from some of them. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna get together, and then we're gonna. Of course, you're gonna have some conversations in the early part of July. We have development camp here that some will be here for, some won't be um, present for. But we are gonna get the entire staff together towards the end of July, and that'll be an opportunity for us to really kind of cement our plans, um, go over what we want or how we want to look in training camp, and then you get to talk about all sorts of different things, including your roster, which you'll have a better idea of. of how that may look, if it's the same, if it's changed a bit, um, all those things will be really, they'll be available for us at that time. So we'll have a good opportunity then to have some face-to-face meetings. And then I do think it's important that the American League staff is a part of that. Um, when you look at the, the group that we've had here the last couple of years under Mitch, um, they were a part of things. And it's easier, of course, when they're in Calgary, but they're, they're a big part of our team's success, making sure that they understand how we want to play they understand how we want to push or expect players to develop in certain areas or where we need them down the road. Um, so they are, they're huge factors in our success. And, and you take it one step further, Pat, when we do have someone that call, gets called up and they're put in a situation, we need them to contribute. And that group has done a good job over the last couple of years. So we're going to make sure the connection with our American League team is tight as well. Really appreciate the time today, Coach. I know an exciting uh, exciting last uh, few weeks or, or week and a bit as you finalized your coaching staff, and today it's all final. So thanks for giving us some insight on today. Great to talk to you, as always, and uh, enjoy. Uh, if, you're, if you're off to Nashville, enjoy yourself down there. Thanks very much, Pat. We'll talk to you guys later. Okay, will do. Ryan Huska, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, joining us this hour on Flames Talk to kick off this hour as we chat with Ryan about his brand-new coaching staff. We'll dive into that as this hour continues. We are very much underway with Steinberg and Logan Gordon. We're coming at you from Veranda here in the Curry Barracks. And uh, first of all, as easy to find as you'll ever see in the Curry Barracks, you literally cannot miss it as you drive into the Curry Barracks. And this place, Look, we had we had Brad in from VK Brewing, um, and that was I want to say I don't know seven or eight months ago. Yeah, before the in. season, I think. And they they were talking about building Veranda and what it was going to be like, and and Veranda is a collaboration between VK uh, VK Brewing and Burwood Distillery. And this place is huge. It is busy. They have got great cocktails. They've got great craft beer and an unbelievable food menu and just an incredible setting. Like, the inside is super, super neat. And then here we are on uh, one of their kind of outdoor patio situations they've got going on. This is a uh, this is a really neat spot. I've been meaning to come here since it, it, it opened. It's a great local collaboration between two uh, incredible local success stories in vacay and and Burwood, this is uh, this is super neat. So come on.
on down to Veranda if you're able to on this Friday. And if you're listening on demand and you're not listening and it's 2.30 in the morning when you're listening right now, well, come another day because it won't be open no, at 2.30. No. Uh, but come another day. Uh, Veranda in the Curry Barracks. Great indoor, great outdoor, great menu, great drink selection. This place is pretty neat, Logo. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And they're expanding the patio. They're going to have lights out here and more tables. They're going to have a bunch of games going on in the grass over there. They're hoping for Canada Day around Stampede time. So the perfect place to come out and hang out and relax. And on a day like this, we're, honestly, where else would you rather be than on a patio like this, enjoying all the great things that they have here? Yep. At Verandon, like you said, two great uh, Calgary-based companies coming together to make this one awesome place. It's really cool here. Uh, thanks again to Ryan Huska, head coach of the Calgary Flames, breaking down his brand new coaching staff. We'll dive into that in just minutes, but the head coach of the Calgary Flames joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Steinberg and Logan Gordon along with you as we continue on this Friday from the veranda patio in the Curry Barracks. Flames Talk rolls on. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I guess, I guess, Logo, let's react to what we just heard from Ryan Huska, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, joined us as the team has officially announced their coaching staff. We told you on Thursday's Flames Talk, I, I couldn't pin down the last name in there. I, 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 I I knew that uh, were almost was there, coming yeah. back, um, and and we knew about Lambert. We knew about Kale McLean. I couldn't pin down. I, I I was pretty sure there was another name. I just couldn't pin down who it was. And uh, when it came out, what about seven thirty or seven o'clock on uh, whenever it was on when he started changing Thursday his night, Twitter profile picture every five minutes. <laughs> uh, pretty cool to see Mark Savard uh, join the team to run the power play. So Ryan Huska telling us that Dan Lambert is going to run the penalty kill and. And work with the defenseman. Uh, Mark Savard is going to work with the forwards and run the power play. Kale McLean will remain as an assistant coach and kind of touch a number of different things. Jason LaBarbera will remain as the goaltending coach, and Jamie Pringle remains as the video coach. And I thought I thought Ryan did a really good job of breaking down all the different areas and, and why he thinks this is the, the right staff for the Calgary Flames. The, the name that has drawn the most excitement though is mark savard without question the former flame a guy that you know the way that things ended in calgary the way that he was dealt away in a deal that we all wish would never happen especially knowing what mark went on to be in atlanta and boston um yeah that, that one that one stung and it's been reconciled and and all that type of stuff but i think it's uh i think it's super neat that Mark comes back to this organization and is going to be a big part of this coaching staff. And I also really like the idea that we're talking about a guy who is very well thought of when it comes to his offensive mind and the way that he gets teams to play offensively and the way his power plays go about their business. 
to now be joining a Flames team that struggled at the power play last year, that's, that's I think, exciting for a lot of fans. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of, you know, the buzz when we were starting to talk about assistant coaches and, you know, who might make up this staff, the names of where, you know, Tangay was one of those names for a lot of the same reasons that Mark was, and I think a lot of the same reasons that Mark was hired is that offensive instinct, Pat, right? And what did Ryan talk about? It's so easy for him, for Mark, to be as an experienced NHL guy who's, you know, closing on 100 points multiple times in his NHL career to relate to a Jonathan Huberto or a Nazem Kadri. Those were the guys that Ryan singled out as guys that he feels are really going to flourish under a Mark Savard coach forward group and a power play group like that. And, and yeah, the nostalgia plays a, a big factor in it because I think anytime you bring back somebody, we've seen a couple of those now, uh, in the organization back, it, it, it means something here. It means something to come back to Calgary for these guys. But I think as far as how the whole coaching staff was going to work out, I was really interested because Dan Lambert ran the forwards and the power play in Nashville the last couple of years. But he, as a pro hockey player, was a defenseman. Yep. So I, I was immediately, you know, curious to find out, okay, is Dan going to, you know, go on both sides? Where is he going to wind up? But I think this this works perfectly. There's a guy with experience there that Ryan knows and can lean on when it comes to an area that he used to run for the Flames and the penalty kill and the defense and lean, you know, his knowledge there. But for Mark to, to be able to have the guy and his offensive instincts uh, really take over this forward group that, like yep. you said, did struggle in the power play last year to a frustrating uh, degree. I think you got to be really excited about that if you're a Flames fan and if you're a couple of those Flames players that, that Ryan mentioned. And I, and I know just, you know, when, when there's big hires like this and, and when there's big time things going on, I like to go peruse and just see what people are saying on Twitter. I like to see what people are saying on Calgary Puck or on, on Reddit. I just yeah. like to, I just like to get a, because every, 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 different medium it's a different cross-section of fans i find that the 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 opinions that you get on calgary puck are different than what you're going to see on twitter and def- different than what you're going to get on reddit and and lots of overlap too but i i just find i i like going to just check it out and see what people are saying about big moves and i found that in all three spots whether it's the flame subreddit or on the message boards or or whether it's it's on twitter Savard is the one that people are most excited about. Um, and when the coaching search was ongoing, the two external names that I think people were most excited about as potentially joining the Flames were Savard and Alex Tange. And Tange will not be joining the Flames staff. Savard will. But and, and then on top of that, when you see the excitement that Mark has about joining the Flames, you take a look at the job that he's done in Windsor. Uh, he's coached Windsor for two seasons and has 88 wins in yeah. those two seasons. And I know that last Last year they got swept. This past year they got swept in round one, but they went to the Ontario League Finals the year before. Uh, he's he's done a pretty good job coaching that Windsor Spitfires team, a team that has nothing but a standard of excellence, and he's come in, and, and those two years that he coached there, he fit in very well. So I, I understand the excitement, and knowing how difficult not just the power play was to watch at times last year, but also just how difficult it was for this team creating offense power play or even strength yep. generating offense yep. to bring in a guy who in nhl circles is is very well thought of for his offensive mind i understand the excitement for flames 100 percent, pat how many nights did you and me sit up uh in the press box and you know just wonder where the offense was going to come it was hard work you know for this team 
at the best of times to generate three goals a night, it felt like. Uh, if you got behind by a couple, yeah. you knew it was going to be an uphill battle for this team, and that has to change. The offense is so important here in the NHL nowadays. You have to – I'm not saying you have to be the highest-scoring team in the NHL, but I certainly think you have to generate offense in an easier fashion than the Flames did last year, and whether that's just at 5-on-5 five five or whether that is coming from a you know a significant increase in their power play – uh, you have to be more consistent offensively for this group, and they have guys that can do that. And yes, we don't know what the roster is going to look like uh, in September, but what just, we don't? They, no, apparently not. Um, based on some of the guys that we think might be there, uh, I, I think having a, a guy like Mark Savard come in, who's got that offensive touch, and and even as Ryan mentioned there, uh, with Dan's experience running forward groups and and power plays, he's going to have the decor. You know, looking to see how they can uh, attack and, and be a part of that offense as well. Uh, Dan Lambert uh, played 29 NHL games, all with the Quebec Nordique. Uh, but more recently, since his playing days in Europe came to an end, he spent a good chunk of time in the DEL and playing in Germany. And he came back from playing in Europe. His playing career came to an end. And in the late 2000s, he joined Ryan Huska's coaching staff with the Kelowna Rockets. And they were together until Ryan left the Rockets and joined on. Well, not he did one more year after that. But uh, when Ryan left to go join Adirondack and join yeah. the Flames organization, uh, Lambert took over. They won the Western Hockey League Championship in his one year as head coach. He jumped to the NHL as, a head, as an assistant in Buffalo. And he's kind of bounced around since then he's been an assistant in the nhl for a number of years most recently with nashville and also with buffalo he was a head coach in rochester of the american league and a head coach the last two years with the spokane chiefs uh his last two years as a head coach rather uh with the spokane chiefs so there's a lot of experience there the familiarity is there and again you just listen to different people who have have talked about it very well thought of for his offensive mind despite being a blue liner when he played uh very well thought of and really liked the john Hines's staff really spoke highly of him as he leaves the predators organization so i'm i'm really curious about the type of ideas and just the, the tangible evidence that you and me and you listening see on the ice we're mm-hmm. not we don't have any impact on the way they play or their systems or how players play or the power play structure we have no impact on that but i am curious to see as somebody who is really not super qualified in, in, <laughs> in critiquing coaches yeah. work i'm just curious to see what these two new additions mean for how us tra- as observers yeah, how it and, translates and, exactly. to the ice right good, i think good that's word. translation i think that's entirely fair and i think even going off of what we heard from ryan when he joined you on flames talk after being introduced to this team's head coach remember he said i don't think we have to make wholesale changes to what we do here. I don't think that we need to start, you know, day one of training camp saying, clear the book out from what you did if you were here last year. We're starting from, you know, the very bottom here and working our way up. So I think it's going to be really interesting, Pat, to see, because I think those noticeable, because uh, you're not changing a whole system. I think those little things that they do, whether it's the forwards, how they exit the zone, how the D is is up in the play, those sort of things, and especially on the power play, you know, look, it's it, let's be honest, it's always easier to kind of, break down a power play when you're in one zone of the ice for for two minutes and you can see the the structure and the puck movement but i think those little things that i talked about uh you know for forward breakouts to d zone breakouts all that sort of thing 
I think because the system's not changing much in Ryan's mind, I think we're going to notice those little changes that much more once we start to see what this group looks like and how the coaches implement that with the group. I want to read this text. Text line's open at 960-960. This from Jeffrey, who uh, A, spells his name correctly, uh, and B, <laughs> the correct way? with a J. Uh, I, only say that because, oh, yeah. I only say that because of our Jeff. He spelled. If you spell it with He's, a G, he sucks. You spell it okay, yeah. but our Jeff spells it with a G, so that's G off. Like it. No, actually, Jeff, our Jeff is the best, and and we only say that out of love because he he is one of the best humans in radio. Um, but Jeffrey writes as a former top of the administration leader, Ryan Huska sounds and talks like a respected leader. The thing I learned about leadership is by taking leadership courses: take them, then apply what you've learned, and treat your staff how you'd want to be treated. Regardless of the outcome of the players, management and coaching look good at this point for the season. And and I I do have to say, listening to Ryan when when Huska was introduced just over uh, just under two weeks ago listening to him on that that hour last week when he sat down with George and Matt listening to him on on some of the other different shows that he's done um, he's he's come across really really prepared not like I'm surprised by this, but he's come across prepared. He's come across well. He's come across uh, very much like he's in control of this. Now, we don't know until we don't, there, there's no evidence until the puck drops in October. But uh, I, I, the, the way that he's come across so far has been very impressive. And, and I think that you've heard a lot of that to this point so far in the way that he's come across. I think he's been really well spoken. And I think the... The main word that I've, I've taken from it, Pat, is, is thoughtful in all of his answers, whether it's uh, about his assistant coaches, how he wants to do things, you know, this whole process, whatever it is. I, I find Ryan to be a very thoughtful guy in, in how he speaks, and I think people respect that a lot. I think people, you know, I think you're in a time where people can be short with you or, you know, very quick, or, you know, Ryan gives everybody the same level of attention whether it's right. dummies like you and me or you know talking to his assistant coaches on interviews i i don't feel as though it's a different person um and the, the the care and the thoughtfulness that he puts into his words i think is something that carries ryan husko wherever he goes well i wanted to read that text because i i just i really appreciated the way that he talked about each of the members of his yeah. staff and and you know the the only thing the only area that i want to push back on i'm a big fan of kale mclean just personally having gotten to, to know him uh, even going back to his time when he was head coach of the stockton heat um but I just I wanted to, there's been a lot of criticism and a lot of online pushback specifically on bringing Jason LaBarbera back and say well you saw how poor they were last year you saw how bad goaltending was last year how could they bring Jason LaBarbera back and my my question or or my rebuttal has been okay I'm not saying goaltending was great last year and yes that part of that lies on the coaching staff of course like yep. but where was the and, and I'm not saying that this should have been the case, but like I didn't see like people are you know lighting torches about hey it's time to to get this guy out of here after last year, they were like I, I believe somebody put it properly I believe they were six goals away from winning the Jennings the year before yeah the Wasn't one of their goaltenders was number two in Vesna voting so like where was the parade for that year and it just my, I, I'm not defending. The, I'm not defending. I'm not critiquing. I'm just saying, like that—that that is a full-on 
different side of the coin in one year. So how can it be all on the goaltending coach one year, but you know what? No, no, had nothing to do with him the year before. I just, I don't, that, that's not congruent to me. So I appreciated the way Ryan explained it. I think it's a really good way of explaining it. Like, I don't know, it's more than just a one or two year thing. And to say that, to, to point as much, from, from what I know about goaltending and what I know about what a goaltending coach does, I don't think that a goaltending coach can actively be the type of or in the type of role that can derail somebody like J- Jacob Markstrom. This we know that his season was never really on the rails, but a goaltending coach is not going to be the guy that throws a guy so off the rails after a Vesna Trophy season like that. So that's my only point: is that you can't look at the old. That, that it's, there's all, not only one side to that coin. They were the one of the one or two best goaltending tandems in the league one year, and they struggled the next. So where does the goaltending coach have the impact, and how much of either is impacted by coaching is the point that I'm getting at. Here's the here's what I would add, because I think you're, you're bang on. But what I would add is look at the amount of change that the front office, that Don Maloney and the rest of the Calgary Flames have been willing to go through. If Jacob Markstrom or Dan Vladar and maybe even Dustin Wolf had those end of year conversations and said, "Look, I, I just don't. I think what Jason was doing wasn't working with us. We tried to change them some things up." I, I fully think if if that was the problem, or if the goaltenders felt that way, then I think Jason would be talking about a different head coach for the Cal- or goaltending coach, excuse me, for the Calgary Flames. I, I think that that relationship's one that I think is very strong between Jacob Dan. And Jason, and I'm with you. To me, the same people that are, are on Jason LaBarbera in that sense are the same ones that wanted Jacob Markstrom out of the market because he's had one bad year. And it's it's recency bias, and I get it. It's a what have you done for me lately, but I can't get past, you know, I, I wasn't ready to throw it out with Jacob Markstrom last year. Was it a bad year? Sure. But to forget everything that they've done before that, to me, is, is too short-sighted. And the same applies to me for Jason LaBarbera in that sense that mm-hmm. you're right. We were heaping praise on the guy as one of the best goaltending coaches, uh, you know, for all the work that he did with Jacob and Dan and growing Dan as a, as a young goaltender as well when things were going right. Then when everything went wrong, and it wasn't just the goaltending that went wrong, it was a lot of everything. Now all of a sudden it's a problem and it's something that needs to be changed. I, I just, I, I think you risk losing good people if you operate like that. And uh, I think Dan uh, and Jason and uh Jacob have a really strong relationship and I think if that was something that was expressed Pat I think it would have been something that would have been changed um couple of things just from a news standpoint um and and this is just adding on to all of what went down yesterday from a uh outside news standpoint none something of this came Thursday? from the flames yeah Thursday was busy I hear mm. um just uh, so on the Elias Lindholm front Nothing is really changed, but yeah, there is a there's a deal on a, on the table, uh, a deal that is rife in term and money. Uh, the Flames feel like they have a very very competitive offer on the table. I, I think the Flames feel like the offer that they have in to Elias Lindholm's camp right now is one that they can sleep at night with if he decides not to take it. It's not going to be like. 
what, what's been really important to me is make sure that you put something on the table. If you really want to keep this guy and he decides to leave, at least know that you felt like you did everything you could. The Flames feel like the deal on the table to Lindholm fits that description. So optimism, there, there's still optimism that Lindholm may take the contract that or, or continue negotiating and talking about a contract extension it is interesting to note though that we have been talking about an uncertain status for Lindholm going back to even when the Daryl Sutter was still the head coach and games were still going on but you know I remember January February we were talking about this that you know the uncertain is kind of the word as to whether or not he was going to come back Daryl Sutter was part of it but it's not just that as we can now tell with Daryl Sutter no longer the head coach of the team and and just wanted to re-up a little bit on the way that the Flames are are potentially going to approach this I really do think picks and young players in their early 20s are the types of guys the Flames will be looking at if they're forced into making a trade for Noah Hannafin or Elias Lindholm. You know, we think Hannafin's going to get dealt, and, and I think the Flames will be targeting picks and players in their early 20s, you know, 21, 22-year-old type guys, prospects, those types of things. I think that's what the Flames are going to be after, ideally, yeah. you know, Ideally, things don't always work exactly the way you wanted them. So just wanted to throw that out there to wrap up the hour as well. It's Pat and Logo along with you as we continue on this hour of Flames Talk and start to wrap it up. We'll be at the NHL draft coming up on uh, starting on Monday from Nashville, Tennessee. And our NHL draft coverage brought to you by our friends at Calgary Lock and Safe and South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com.